most of us in the last 15 months could be forgiven for the occasional silent yell of, Stop the world! I want to get off! But the pace of change is still not fast enough for some. There are those out there, often on the west coast of America and in the tech sector, who believe that the last 20 years have in fact been a great stagnation, a technological plateau which requires much more thrust than in the past to achieve post-COVID fast economic growth and thus go vertical. Peter Thiel, who's worth $7 billion and was the creator of PayPal, Palantir, and the first outside investor in Facebook, is a card-carrying member of the Great Stagnation Society. He wants to get us all properly into gear, put the pedal to the metal, and usher in the Great Acceleration. He recently told Forbes magazine, one should think of COVID and the crisis of this year as this giant watershed moment where this is the first year of the 21st century. This is the year in which the new economy is actually replacing the old economy. Thiel believes that the historical transformation promised by the internet was aborted way back in March 2000 when the tech bubble burst. It was just too early. But I keep thinking, he went on, that maybe this time the movie is going to have the alternate ending, which is somehow the tech is actually going to work, at least in the aggregate. Some will fail, some won't, but on the whole, the transformation of the 21st century is going to work. So, as part of Teal's great leap forward, he's had an idea he thinks definitely won't fail, at least. For him. Together with two other billionaires, he wants to establish a new cryptocurrency asset exchange that will bet heavily on decentralized finance, radically reshaping trading and investment in digital assets. The venture, run by blockchain software company Block.1, will be called Bullish Global and has been capitalized with more than $10 billion in cash and digital assets ahead of its launch later this year. Those who actually read the small print couldn't help but notice that there was quite a lot more digital asset than good old-fashioned dollar bills contained in the package that Teal is bringing to the party. However, on the same day, Elon Musk announced that after years championing Bitcoin and indeed making a small killing himself by investing in the wildly fluctuating asset, his car-making business, Tesla, would no longer accept Bitcoin in payment for one of its vehicles. Apparently, the huge quantities of energy involved in mining and keeping Bitcoin afloat consume the same amount of juice as Argentina uses annually and are thus very bad for the planet, said Musk, who also announced, while presenting Saturday Night Live recently, that he suffers from Asperger's syndrome. Musk's trolling keeps undermining the faith of true Bitcoin believers that their favorite token is bigger than any individual and that the recent price boom is in fact based on solid fundamentals. The original cryptocurrency's recent 20% drop over five days began with a Musk eco-tweet. A further nosedive occurred when the Chinese Politburo made it plain 
that it deeply disapproved of cryptocurrencies over which it had no control. The latest confused price swings over Tesla's crypto portfolio show how this speculative market can just turn on a dime. It's hard to come away with any other impression than the one that crypto is a game for him, a game he's happy to play as long as he's the winner. Bitcoin was the first mover in the crypto coin revolution and is part of a decentralized finance movement which its supporters maintain has the potential to disrupt traditional markets by building a system that bypasses the custodian, record-keeping and trading roles that are typically reserved for banks, brokers or exchanges. So libertarians tend to love crypto. Why should anyone, any bank or any government, stand in the way of me making money, however I choose to? Crypto democratizes finance and removes rent seekers and unnecessary intermediaries. Skeptics, on the other hand, have maintained that the crypto world has many elements in common with pyramid schemes. Those who got in early on Bitcoin have a huge financial incentive to draw in others by any means necessary. It's a gold rush in which the veins of shining yet invisible metal are finite because there will only ever be 21 million of them. Central banks, by contrast, can just carry on printing. But while getting rich is clearly the main motivating factor, and you can't question the fact that some people have indeed managed to become incredibly rich from crypto, it's not the only one. Buying into crypto should be considered akin to gambling, and like gambling, most people get into it not just because they might make money, but also because it's entertaining. Gambling, however, means that someone has to be the loser. Now, old schoolers like Warren Buffett don't like the brave new world digital shenanigans at all. It's advanced by way of flotations like bullish global. Will, he maintains, lend undeserved legitimacy to cryptocurrencies, in particular Bitcoin, which Buffett has branded rat poison squared. The Sage of Omaha has predicted a bad ending for cryptocurrencies, but he's yet to be proved right. Values may have swung violently, but generally they have climbed. To argue against crypto, say the tech purists, is to be like those Jeremiah's in the early 90s who foretold the end of the internet. Crypto's rise is utterly logical, thus inevitable, and only a mug like King Canute would bet against its advance across the globe. But the problem with great accelerations, before you settle down to steady cruising speed, is when things start going so fast, control can be lost and bits fall off. Or worse, you collide with something hard. The lesson of 2008 should have been that if something looks far too good to be true, then most likely it is. But one of the joys of crypto is, of course, that it exists outside the influence and regulatory authority of central banks, indeed any banks across the world. And that's the whole point of it. It doesn't have to weigh up the possible dangers of its widespread, maybe universal application. And it's new and therefore unpredictable. Banks, by contrast, are supposed to mean safety. Get your money in a bank rather than put it under a mattress. I'm banking on that. I'm going to bank these winnings. 
banks are physically imposing. Their buildings are the tallest, most visible, and the most message exuding in Canary Wharf and Wall Street. Crypto, by contrast, is arcane. It's hidden. The word means concealed or secret. A cryptic crossword is where things don't quite mean what they appear to mean. Most tech firms involved with new things like cryptocurrency don't do the tricky stuff below the surface, which would require a costly and cumbersome banking license. They just simply don't have to accept the costs of reg tape and regulation. Now, it's also true that a warm embrace of digital finance is definitely not worldwide. Take Germany, for example, an advanced country consistently one of the most economically successful and the home of the legendary Schwäbische Hausfrau, the woman at the head of the family who knew that if your monthly income is 100 Deutschmarks and your expenditure 105 Deutschmarks, then misery lies ahead. Do you know in Germany, 52% of women still play cash when visiting the supermarket. They don't even especially trust credit cards. And they certainly have had many of their worst suspicions confirmed by the hair-raising events that occurred at Wirecard. There's a fine line between a visionary and the hype-fueled, snake-oiled salesman. But there are also the out-and-out -out criminals. After an old-fashioned bank heist, Millions of dollar bills were heavy to carry away. Gold was even more of a weight liability, as they discovered at the end of the Italian job. Thus, crypto, which is invisible, has become the desired payment of choice for cyber criminals, and almost $350 million went to cryptocurrency wallets associated with ransomware attacks in the US last year. That was quadruple the level of 2019. At which point, and rather unexpectedly, enter the Bank of England, which has been ruminating about a central bank digital currency, or CBDC. A CBDC, the bank thinks, could present a number of opportunities for the way that the Bank of England achieves its objectives of maintaining monetary and financial stability. Now, as the issuer of the safest and most trusted form of money in the economy, should the bank provide the public with electronic money as a complement to physical banknotes? This would answer a lot of questions because unlike Bitcoin or its rivals, the old lady of Threadneedle Street must, almost by definition, be as safe as houses. In a world of constant change, emperor's new clothes, shifting sands and digital weirdness, what is a solid fundamental, like gold used to be? Gold had that standard. But it's entirely possible that central bank digital currencies could take its place. And in the meantime, crypto may be the future, but neither it nor we are quite ready for it yet. The plays that the likes of Elon Musk and Peter Thiel make are entertainments on the path to direct proof that Bitcoin's price either has fundamental value or is a bubble-driven asset.